the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of the As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. And a good morning to you indeed. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on AM 1420, The Answer. Happy Wednesday. It's the 15th morning of the 11th month year of our Lord, 2023. They hated every single second of that, didn't they? The radical American left, the brainwashed little robots on the college campuses, all over this country, the ones that continue to chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Every single one of them that calls Israel genocidal and accuses Israel of ethnic cleansing, every one of them that lets their anti-Semitic rage boil over. They hated every single second of the glorious love festival for our brothers and sisters in Israel and Jews around the world who continue to face extraordinary, unimaginable, indefensible anti-Semitism. That festival yesterday 
It wasn't a march. They didn't go from point A to point B. They called it the March for Israel. But they didn't march from point A to point B. They just gathered on the mall, and they hugged, and they embraced, and they heard some speakers, and they saw some unity for a change. We saw the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson, on the same stage and platform as the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer. We saw Republican Senator Joni Ernst, along with House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries. His presence there is a little bit questionable to me because when he's not standing there for the photo op in the March for Israel limelight, he is joining his squad leaders and calling for a ceasefire and thus the end of Israel. But for a day, they hated every single moment of American support, 300,000 strong for the state of Israel and for Israeli Jews, and again, Jews around the globe. What we saw yesterday, I, I feel, needs a little bit of uh, context. It's, it's extraordinarily important that people understand what went on. Um, the March for Israel, the gathering on the National Mall yesterday, which, by the way, if you recall, we were trying to drum up support for uh, busloads of people to come to go down from Cleveland to be a part of this. They came from all over the country, and I, I have no idea what to expect. The, the, the previews you know, said tens of thousands expect to descend on D.C., and I thought, that's fine, but there were hundreds of thousands um, in uh, cities all over the, over the world, not just in the United States and Washington, that have held pro-Palestine or Palestinian or Hamas rallies, right? And so I said, I really, really hope it doesn't stay in the tens of thousands. So when I got word yesterday that the estimates... Uh, multiple estimates, were either just shy of or just over 300,000. My heart swelled. It made me feel very, very good about who we are and what we are and that we do indeed uh, walk the walk, including the walk to the mall in Washington, D.C., the National Mall, and not just talk the talk. It made me feel very, very good to know we didn't need to push for the buses the bus loads buses were full i had people message me and tell me uh that they couldn't get on they asked if i can get on and they said nope we're booked up and uh you know to those individuals thank you for being willing to go maybe you went anyway maybe you drove down which is even more amazing god bless you if you did that's phenomenal but a little context for what yesterday was yesterday wasn't cheering for one side in a war against another side. It might seem like that because there is a war. This is this is a Middle East war that's going on right now. This isn't a conflict. This isn't a few little skirmishes. This isn't a rocket fired here or there or a missile fired here or there. This is war. This is what war looks like. We went to war in Iraq. We went to war in Afghanistan. We went to war in, in, in Korea. We went to war in, in, in Vietnam. Understand, this is, this is what war looks like. This isn't just like some of those. I think many people, they get a little distracted because we have seen so many violent moments and and you know uh escapades in the middle east through the through the years and through the decades particularly it's almost always some suicide some nut job muslim suicide bomber going into israel and trying to kill people or indiscriminate rocket attacks or missile firing from gaza or from the west bank into israel 
And, you know, we, we've seen it for so long, um, it kind of desensitizes us a little bit, doesn't it? So I want you to understand, this is a war that's going on right now. Now, typically, when you say, well, it's us against them, a war is us against them. And it is. It is. But what happened yesterday was not just a we're cheering for our team in this war, or our side against their side. What happened yesterday, the nationwide embrace of Jews and, and, and of, of Christians also united with Jews yesterday on that National Mall, 300,000 strong, that embrace of them and the embracing of their holy land and the right to exist was about literally an affirmation of life. You see, people people need to understand that typically, generally speaking, in war, you know, it's our side against their side, and you're always on our side simply because, well, it's us. It's our side. It's like it's kind of like how international competitions, sporting competitions go, you know. Um, sure, when, you know, it's it's a sport that we all understand and get behind that's very popular here like basketball you know and it's the olympics or it's the world championships team usa against team the rest of the world go our team it's our side go usa go usa right we root it for the dream team root it for the the soccer team well some of us don't watch soccer. we root it for all of the internet it doesn't matter they could be playing jacks with a little rubber ball and those little pointy stars that uh, kill you when you accidentally step on them when your kids leave them laying around. You can be playing jacks. If somebody's got Team USA on their jersey and somebody else says Team Russia, yay, let's go! This wasn't and isn't that about we're behind our side because we're at war. This is a, is a moment to decide whether life gets to continue for Israelis and Israeli Jews. Understand that those who continue to scream for a ceasefire in Gaza are screaming for the elimination of Israelis' lives. There is no in-between, and there's no two sides to this. You either believe in in existential rights, or you don't. Existential, root word being existence, the right to exist. Or you don't. People need to understand that. Let's let, let me put it in, in better terms, in the in the war, you know, vernacular. If Hamas were to win the war, and the only way they can win the war is if, if is if Israel surrenders and gives up and agrees to a ceasefire. Okay? If Hamas wins the war, Israel ceases to exist. How do we know that? And the answer is because Hamas told us so. We will come back after them, quote, again and again and again and again, end quote. There will be, quote, an October 7th, an October 10th, an October 1 millionth, end quote. These are direct quotes from Hamas leaders, spokespersons who are uh, making these remarks from the safety of places like Qatar, where they live, as opposed to being in Gaza and facing the Israeli uh, defense forces, uh, you know, firsthand on their own. Understand this: that if Israel loses the war, Israel dies. It's not like, well, Japan lost the war to the United States after we dropped the H, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, a bombs. 
right? Japan lost the war. What did that entail? It entailed a meeting on a battleship and signing some documents saying, okay, war's over. We'll stop hurting you. You stop hurting us. We'll go lick our wounds. And, of course, there had to be some conditions involved with that. But but Japan got to go on, right? And, and today, Japan is a very different type of place. And it's an ally of the United States in many ways. When... Peace treaties are signed ending wars. One side doesn't just, you know, cease to exist anymore, with the possible exception of the Civil War, because that was an American war. It was American on American. When the Confederacy lost, the Confederacy died. But the states didn't. The people didn't. They were absorbed back into the United States of America, right? So when most wars end and peace treaties are signed, the two different sides that competed in the battles, they they go on to survive. Now, obviously, individual soldiers and fighters die, but the 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 uh, nations or or the the factions, if you will, they survive to to go on. That's what makes this so different and what made yesterday so important. 300,000 people got together in person, and I guarantee you millions more in spirit. I was one of those in spirit supporting what was going on on the mall yesterday because we were there for survival. We were there as an affirmation of Israel's right to exist. If they lose the war for the first time maybe in the history of war, certainly in, in, in American or our allies' history of war, it, the losing side doesn't get to, to be anymore. They don't get to exist anymore. Now, I know there are going to be some people who say, what about when the United States came in and waged war, or the, the colonials came in and waged war and stole the land from the, from, the, uh, from the Native American population? They didn't get to exist anymore. That's not true. Yes, they did. As a matter of fact, treaties were, were signed there as well that allowed sovereign tribal land to continue to exist, operated and governed by their own rules and their own, their own laws and their own uh, cultures. So, so quite literally, unless I'm missing one, and I don't think that I am, there's never been a war that, that, that I'm aware of in which the losing side doesn't get to just sign a treaty and say, okay, now we're, we're at peace. The losing side dies. I, I cannot emphasize this enough. If Hamas loses, peace happens. If and when Hamas is wiped out, and that will take a commitment from the international community that does not exist at this moment, it will take a commitment to get behind Israel and tell them, do what needs to be done to destroy Hamas so they can never come after you again. That's what has to happen. That commitment does not exist right now. It does from the United States, or at least 300,000 strong on the National Wall yesterday indicated that it does. If, if and when Hamas loses and is, and is wiped out, peace will happen. I interviewed Alan Dershowitz for my TV podcast called Strictly Speaking, which you can watch on the Roku channel and the True Blue, uh, True Blue app, the Roku app. It's all free. Um, but I interviewed Alan Dershowitz, noted uh, uh, Harvard law professor and one of, the, one of the most brilliant criminal and constitutional legal minds in, in history. I interviewed, I interviewed Alan Dershowitz. That one actually ran this morning at about 6 o'clock. 
and it'll run again today on Roku Channel 529 at 4 o'clock. My point isn't to do the promotion there as much as I want you to see it and listen to him and learn from him, but but I, I spoke with him about this because he has been very uh, outspoken in his support for the quote-unquote two-state solution, a solution in which Israel gets to exist and a Palestinian state gets to exist, even though there is no Palestinian state and never has been, but Palestinians... Uh, as they are called right now, would have their own quote-unquote state governed by themselves and so on and so forth, living in peace side-by-side with Israel. That's what a two-state solution looks like. And I asked Alan Dershowitz, I said, uh, Professor, can that still happen? Because how how can you have a two-state solution if one state wants the other state to die all of the time and are willing to carry it out? And he said, well, it can if Hamas is gone and wiped out. The peaceful Palestinian people, the civilians everybody is so worried about, um, would would live alongside Israel in peace. And so there is still a chance for a two-state solution, but the, 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 the Iran-backed proxies, you know, these are the proxies of Iran, which has stated for decades that they will wipe Israel off the map. They're using, the Iranians, of course, are using Hezbollah and Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad and other terror groups to try to carry out that mission, to wipe them off the map. It's why Iran can never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon, ever, because they will point it to uh, Tel Aviv in two seconds flat. So... The point from my conversation with the professor was, is I said, I don't think there can be a two-state solution. He assured me there can, and that is if Hamas is indeed wiped out, if the the Iran-backed proxies are no longer a threat, there will be a peace between the Palestinian people in Gaza and in the West Bank. Uh, and it should be clear who these people are. Again, I'm going to say Palestinians. You know, they're Jordanians, excuse me, and they're Egyptians is what they really are. But whatever, they can call themselves what they want. That peace can happen only if Hamas is gone. So if Hamas loses the war, peace is the result. If Israel loses this war, death of Israel is the result. They will have succeeded in wiping Israel off the map. It will be erased. Literally, its print will be erased from world maps going forward, and that land will be designated, what, Palestine? Because they will not stop doing that until... It happens. They have said so. They they have they repeat it. I've got clips I'm gonna play for you, audio clips of interviews done with Palestinians and Palestinian supporters. Will you live side by side with Israel if it means peace? And they are just at one after another. No, 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 why not? It's our land, it's not theirs. They want to destroy Israel and every Israeli Jew that lives in that nation and to take that land over and they will not stop. So what we're talking about isn't your typical war. Eventually, we'll have to have a ceasefire. We'll sign some papers, and Hamas will say, okay, we're done. And in Israel, the IDF forces will say, okay, we're done, and we'll live in peace for a little while. That's not going to happen. It cannot happen, because if it does, Israel dies. Hamas has said they will honor no such ceasefire. They will honor nothing, no agreement, no peace agreement, no two-state solution that involves Israel existing on what they believe to be Palestinian land. So I hope we are clear on this. This isn't a situation where the war will end and both sides will sign a little treaty and go on about their business. It will either be Hamas is wiped out root and branch and gone forever, or Israel dies, never to be seen again.
Israeli Jews, the new genocide of the Jews will begin. Now I ask you, given that binary choice between either Israel being wiped out completely from existence because they're forced by the international community to bring about a ceasefire that will lead to the next attack and the next attack and the next attack upon them, and they're told you're not allowed to fight back because we don't want you to hurt too many civilians who are hiding or are, who are stuck in the population uh, of Gaza where the uh, terrorists are hiding, or you want... Hamas to be wiped out completely, root and branch, allowing Israel the right to exist. This is the existential question of the issue. Does Israel have the right to exist or not? It's that simple. All right, that's a lot in the monologue. Uh, we have a lot of other things to talk about today, too, and I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945, Seth, what do you say we pledge before uh, we take our first break at the bottom of the hour? Uh, we have guests coming at 1010 today. We're going to talk to Jeremiah Sawyer, who is has uh, got his eye on a state Senate position, but the problem is that state Senate position was already occupied by one Tom Patton. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremiah Sir is going to primary him. We're going to talk to him at 10.10 about that. Then at uh, 11.10 this morning, Congressman Max Miller will come back with us to talk about uh, the march yesterday and to talk about the video that he and other members of uh, the House were able to watch, uh, the actual um, official video of the atrocities and the attacks of October 7th that they were allowed to watch yesterday. And we'll talk to him about uh, funding for FBI uh, headquarters and other things we discussed yesterday. So Jeremiah Sawyer and Max Miller are coming. Before we get to uh, you and them, uh, what do you say we go and do our pledge? Patriots, stand, put your hand on your heart, and uh, face your flag if you have one. If you are a believer in allowing Hamas to exist and thus to destroy Israel's right to exist, then you, uh, you, you don't believe in liberty nor freedom, and you can just go ahead and... Instead of standing proudly and pledging your allegiance to a flag you don't support, go ahead and take a knee like the Marxist that you likely are. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on The Answer. So here are two very, very different points of view that I want you to hear to make sure that you understand and, and maybe try to figure out which side of this you're on. There really shouldn't be two sides. There, there is no moral equivalence here. And again, this isn't like uh, rooting for my team to beat your team. It's whether or not your team can continue to exist after the game. This is the difference. <laughs> to be with you all. What an extraordinary crowd. And it was organized in just a few days. It's amazing. Amazing. There, there are few issues in Washington that could so easily bring together leaders of both parties and both chambers. But the survival of the state of Israel and her people unites us together. And it unites all Americans. All Americans. Let me be very clear. The United States stands unequivocally with our neighbor, our friend, our ally, Israel. They are, they are neighbors in a global sense, that's right. 
Last week, a bipartisan group of members stood in solidarity on the steps of the House to mourn the loss lives in the October 7th attack and to grieve with the families of Israeli hostages that are still being held in Gaza. We heard heartbreaking and tragic accounts of their kidnappings. And of course, as you know, many of those families haven't received an update on their well-being since that day. As a parent myself, I can begin to comprehend their despair. All of us feel that way. This morning, we watched the horrific film that was produced by Hamas from their own cameras as they committed the assault. It's unspeakable. The auditorium was full of Republicans and Democrats in the House, and they wept as we watched the film together. Most couldn't sit through it. These Israeli hostages were kidnapped in their homes by barbaric Hamas terrorists for simply being Jewish and living in Israel. As Prime Minister Netanyahu says so well, this is a fight between good and evil, between light and darkness, between civilization and barbarism. Barbarism. The calls for a ceasefire are outrageous. That is the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. The calls for a ceasefire are outrageous, he said. He is, of course, 100% correct and stands even more so when opposed by the likes of this. Ceasefire means there is no military solution, only a diplomatic and cultural solution, a relational solution, a reckoning with ourselves and our history. That is what ceasefire now means. Ceasefire, you bubble-headed bartender, means Israel dies. We had ceasefire. Alexandria, Damasio, Cortez, on October 6th. How did that work out? When Israel is not defending itself, Israel dies. Not some Israelis. Israel, the nation, the state, and its people, they all die. That is the choice here. It is not ambiguous. There isn't a third option. There is no shade of gray. It's black and white. It's as simple as that. If Israel doesn't get to defend itself by taking Hamas out, Hamas will come back again and again and again until they're all dead in Israel. Understand that. You brainless twit. Understand that ceasefire does not mean a diplomatic and cultural solution because the culture of the Palestinian, which means Arab Muslims, the culture is to kill Jews. Why is this so complex? Why is this so difficult for them to understand? Now, I want to see if I can share something with you to kind of give you a real a uh, clear um, picture of what we're talking about. Before I go to phone calls, and if you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. There are some videos that have been uh, published and, and posted. Uh, these are what are commonly called man-on-the-street videos in which Palestinians are being asked whether or not they would support living um, next to Israel in peace. 
if it was agreed that there would be no more fighting, there'd be no more attacks from one side to the other side, no more self-defensive attacks, which is the better way to say that, by the way, uh, on the, uh, uh, you know, from, the, from the Israeli side, would you agree to live with them in a two-state solution situation if everybody is, is in peace? The responses are stunning. I, and, and, I, and I think they're, they're worth listening to. So I want you to listen to this. These are some of the man on the street um, uh, responses from Palestinians as to whether or not, and some of them, they're, they're kind of dubbed over because they're, they're speaking in Arabic, uh, but some of them they are speaking in English. Would I want you, you be to willing this. to share the land equally, uh, for, land equally with the Jews if you had peace and equality? No? No, why? Because it's our land, it's not their land, so we don't share it. If you couldn't hear that, she said, because it's our land, not their land, and we don't share it. Get that? That's a no for the two-state cultural um, uh, relationship that Alexandria Damasio was just arguing for. Uh, They're from here, too. No, they don't. They're not. Do you hear that? The question was, uh, the interviewer said, uh, but but the Israelis are from here, too. No, they're not. No, they're not. They don't think that Israel, which goes back, by the way, to to around 12 to 1400 B.C., the first Israelis or Israelites, if you will, uh, occupied that land from be, the beginning of time immemorial, as Ben Shapiro likes to put it. Uh, nope, no, they're not. No, they're not. Just denying the existence of Israel altogether. But here's more. Would you share the land equally with the Jews if there was peace? There won't, there won't be peace because it's difficult. He shook his head and said, no, there won't be peace because it's difficult. Here's more. There is. Would you, are you willing to? Of course, no. Let's say there is peace. Would you live next to Israel? Of course, no. This is our land. They occupied it. Occupied it, and at the end of the day, we are the owners of the country, of the land. Do you share the land equally with the Jews for peace? Now, this again, this is a woman answering in Arabic, uh, saying, would you, answering, would you share the land equally with Israel? And the answer is no. No. Why? Why? Because it's our land. It's our land. If there would be peace, it would be better than this violent situation. Situation, but if we were to have an option, our country is ours. But if we have an option, our country is ours. Would you, you, be willing to share the land equally with the Jews for peace? Of course not. Why? That's our land. Uh... Of course not. It's our land. Are you are you comprehending this yet? I, I could play another two and a half minutes of this. I won't. Are you comprehending this? They do not recognize Israel's right to exist. I just I, I, I just can't I can't express enough that this idea of a two state solution is absolute fiction. It's fiction. 
when one state believes the other state cannot live peacefully next to them because they don't belong there and they have to be rid- they have to be erased they have to be eliminated they have to be killed how can you how can you tell israel to do anything other than what they're doing right now which is fighting for the right to exist existential wars are different than just regular wars this is an existential war i don't even know like i said if there's been another quite like it Maybe with the exception of when the Persians uh, wiped out all of Sparta, wiped it, erased it, uh, and, and, and killed all of the Spartans and, 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 and never let history be written about them and so forth. Maybe. But again, now we're talking about ancient times. We're talking about 2023 right now. This is what Israel is facing. I want you to hear a brief history of what we're talking about. When you hear the left, or not the left, we'll call them, these are, these are the, but they are the left. They are the American left backs that Palestinian position that I was just playing for you with those man on the street interviews, right? They're saying that Israel never existed. Israel doesn't exist. It's not Israeli land. It's Palestinian land. There are no Palestinians. Listen to this little history lesson from Ben Shapiro. I think it's important. But for those in the crowd who are slow of mind and attend stupid protests, let me go through this anyway. Israel is the religious and historic homeland of the Jewish people. Jews are not colonizers. They have been there literally since time immemorial. The only reason that anyone has ever cared about the land of Israel is because the Jews were there first. According to the Bible, the Jews entered the land of Israel around 1400 BC. The Kingdom of David was founded in approximately 1000 BC. The first Temple of Solomon was founded in approximately 957 BC. The second temple was built in approximately 515 BC. The Hasmonean Dynasty, that would be the Maccabees, was founded 166 BC. Jerusalem and the Second Temple were destroyed in 70 CE, the Jews expelled from Israel in 136 CE after the Bar Kokhba revolt. Even then, Jewish presence in the land was continuous and never stopped. The only reason that anyone even has heard of this piece of land called Palestine is because the Romans decided to spit in the eye of the Jews by calling the land after the Jews' historic biblical enemy, the Philistines. For the vast majority of history, in fact, the term Palestinian was used to describe Jews, which is why the Jerusalem Post was originally called the Palestine Post. There has never been, at any point, an independent Palestinian Arab state in the land of Israel. Never. Before the state of Israel, the land was governed by the British Mandate. Before that, the Ottoman Empire. Before that, the Mamluks. Before that, the Ayyubids. Before that, a constellation of Arab tribes. Before that, the Byzantine Empire. Before that, the Roman Empire. In fact, the Palestinian nation, as a nation, is a relatively recent historical phenomenon created entirely after the creation of the state of Israel and as a response to the creation of the state of Israel. There were, of course, Arabs living in the area known as Palestine, but they were Syrian, Egyptian, and the like. In fact, even when Arabs controlled the so-called West Bank and Gaza Strip from 1948 to 1967, there was no attempt to establish an independent Palestinian state. Gaza was run by Egypt, the West Bank by Jordan. It was, by the way, during that time, in 1964, that the Palestine Liberation Organization, which would later be known as the Palestinian Authority, was established in order to liberate Palestine. Now, you may be asking yourself, Why would you establish an organization to liberate Palestine when Palestine was already under the control of Jordan and Egypt? And the answer is, what they were seeking to liberate was not, in fact, the West Bank and Gaza Strip. It was not East Jerusalem. It was everything. And by liberate, they meant kill all the Jews. They meant push the Jews into the sea. There it is. About uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, Seth, we had on a rabbi uh, from California. Um, and we discussed at length what I just played in a much more summarized clip there for you from Ben Shapiro, the reality that there has never been a Palestine. There have never been Palestinians. The only the only time that that word was even used, as he said, is when the Romans tried to stick it to uh, the Jewish people, 
by uh, by calling that land after their ancient enemies, the Philistines. Philistines became Palestines, Palestinians, um, and and that there really are no Palestinians, and there has never been an independent Palestinian state in all of the Middle East, never for one second. We did an at-length, in-depth interview with a rabbi who was an absolute historical uh, machine who had every, kind of like Ben Shapiro, really, but spoken in a lot more uh, uh, plain terms. But anyway, the point being that everything that we are watching right now play out as the world kind of you know teeters on the brink of, of maybe something much, much larger than this Middle Eastern war between Israel for its existence and Hamas for its right to wipe out the state of Israel and all Jews living therein, as we teeter on the brink of a much larger battle involving Iran and perhaps involving China, perhaps involving Russia. Um, it, it's it's just extraordinarily important to know the reality that all of this is a very, very modern phenomenon. They're not fighting for ancient Palestinian land because there was never ancient Palestinian land. But yet when you ask the people there why they want to kill Israel, it's because they say it's not their land, it's ours. They never, ever had an independent land of their own. Not one moment in time. And that should matter as we talk about matters of existentialism. All right. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. BJ is in North Olmstead waiting ever so patiently to lead us off this morning. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. I'm going to make a very quirky and strange comparison to the reality of humanity. We have killed millions of unborn in this country, so the concern about the killing and the destroying of Jews becomes insignificant to people who have that hatred. If we're willing to kill our own species, why would they care about who they kill in other races or cultures? We are a killing group of human beings on our planet right now. And if we're willing to kill millions and millions of unborn humans that never grew up to be people or adults, it's no wonder we have this killing attitude. If there were no Jews on this planet at all, who would be the next group of people that hatred would go after? We have to wake up to the reality on this gift of life on this planet that humanity is out of scope with reality and the gift of life. We're in serious state of awareness and understanding in humanity. I feel very sorry for the future human race if we don't wake up now. Those of us who are old enough to know what love and peace is supposed to be about. This is a tragedy. And if we don't wake up, the creator of all life may say he's had enough of the people on this planet. Thank you for listening. God help us. Yeah, well, we do. We need his help. You're exactly right. Um, every word you just said, uh, BJ, is, is accurate in my, in my view. If you don't respect life to the point where unborn and defenseless preborn babies can be wiped out and, and beheaded and, and dismembered and torn apart in many of the ways we discussed prior to November 7th and the vote on issue one to, to make the most extreme abortions in, 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 uh, in, in the country, the reality here in Ohio. If you don't respect that life, how can you respect the Jewish life? You're right. If you can't respect and 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 the most the the most 
egregious example of this I kind of have brought up on my own. <clears throat> um, and, and that is, you know, the beheading of the babies. When they found 40 beheaded babies in that one little village, that one little uh, area of, of Israel after on October 7th, um, I, and I brought up, you know, they do that here as well. It's just that they do it inside the womb. And they do. They literally behead the babies. They dismember them limb by limb, arm by arm, leg by leg, to parts of the torso. Then the head is all is all crushed and 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 cut off and and, and dragged out. And I'm and I'm sorry for the graphic nature of this, but it's reality. If you are not grossed out, if you are not um, uh, just incredibly emotionally and mentally disturbed by those images in one place, you're not going to be disturbed by them in another. And you'll continue to wear your little uh, red checkered or black checkered tablecloth-looking Palestinian scarf and run around chanting, Free Palestine, river to the sea, river to the sea. You want to put that tablecloth around your neck? You identify yourself as somebody that does not respect innocent life. And don't tell me about the civilians in Gaza and their innocent lives being taken in these uh, Israel onslaughts. They are being taken by Hamas, not by Israel. Hamas can save every civilian in Gaza if they wanted to by doing two things. One, release the hostages. Two, surrender to IDF forces for trial back in, uh, in, uh, in Israel. That's it. Surrender those terrorists. Put them on trial in Israel. Not one more strike will happen in Gaza. You care about Gazan civilians, do the right thing. Don't blame You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yeah. I don't do a lot of sports uh, conversation on this program. I used to do sports radio for a living. Did it for many, many years. Worked in the NFL as a, a sideline reporter for the Oakland Raider, Raiders. And uh, I used to be all about it. Not so much anymore. The woke professional sports leagues just uh, they've lost me i will occasionally peek in on on a game or two because of habit over 50 uh, 50 years of watching uh uh nfl roughly maybe 45 depending on when i really started anyway um so i don't talk about it but i just found out about uh massage watson uh massage watson the quarter isn't that his name uh seth is that, uh, yes, it, it is. Yes. Middle name, Massage, yes. Well, that's his middle name. Middle I'm name. sorry. I thought, I thought that was his first name. Uh, mas- yeah, Massage, Massage, Massager or something like that, Watson. I guess he's the quarterback of the Browns now, uh, who apparently finally had a good game or a good half or something like that. And uh, in true factory of sadness tradition, from what I understand, now that he's had a good game, for his first time as a quarterback of the Browns, he's out for the season. I'm chuckling not to... You know, uh, rub salt in the wound of fans who still watch, um, <laughs> because Browns fans have got to just be like, "What does it take around here?" Anyway, uh, I mean seriously, uh, being as as long suffering as every Browns fan is, now you get a guy who's a two hundred and thirty million dollar contract quarterback who has come in and completely underperformed in the limited time he's been available until this past game. They went a really hard game. 
on the road against a really good opponent, and he goes 14 for 14 in the second half, according to what the uh, uh, statistics show uh, in the story that I read about this. And now, after that, he is out for the season with a shoulder injury. So all I would say about Deshaun Watson is uh, uh, heal fast and to massage therapists all over Greater Cleveland, be on the lookout. Somebody's got a lot more time on his hands, and that's where I'm going to leave it. Let's bring in uh, Jeremiah Sawyer. Jeremiah Sawyer, is um, he is an entrepreneur. He's a small business owner. He's a grassroots activist. And now he's a candidate for state senate in District 24. Jeremiah Sawyer, good to have you aboard. How are you? Hi, Bob. I'm great. I'm great to be on your show today. Are you uh, are you a big Browns fan, or you pay much attention to it? I pay attention to it. Uh, it's something I do enjoy with my kids, my boys. So I do watch. Yeah. Uh, so thoughts on uh, on uh, on the the latest uh, turn in the uh, factory of sadness that is the existence of that franchise. Their quarterback is now gone for the season. Does that uh, change things? It it definitely is going to make it an interesting season and hopefully doesn't go the typical Browns way and we can actually win some games and make the playoffs this year. Uh, that would still be good for Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. It's a sad, sad reality is everybody knows what you mean when you say, uh, hopefully it doesn't go the typical Browns way. We all know what that means. That's so sad yeah. that it has been so, you know, it's such a repeated thing through the, through the decades, at least of my life that everybody knows exactly what that feels like. All right, let's get Luckily down. We have Ohio state, you know, I'm a Ohio state grad and my wife is also, and my son, my oldest son and my youngest son is there now. So we have Ohio state, that winning tradition to always root for. There you go. Number number two in the uh, current uh, CFP playoff rankings, which doesn't really mean much. If they beat Michigan in the uh, final game of the season and win the Big Ten championship, they'll be number one, the number one seed in the college football playoffs. There's no question about that. So there is the good side. All right, Jeremiah, let's talk about this. You messaged me uh, about a week and a half ago or so and said, Bob, I'm thinking about doing something. And then you said, Bob, I'm doing it. Uh, let's talk about it on your radio program. I said, absolutely right. Let's do this. You have decided to do more than just be a grassroots activist and a supporter of uh, very important issues in the state of Ohio. You have decided to actually try to become a lawmaker in the state Senate. Tell us why. Yes, sir. I thought no better place than to tell it on your show. I, I'm a huge fan of your show, as you know. Um and I've been called to many things in my life, and I feel like I was called to this. Uh, I'm a proud father and husband, and I'm a lifelong Northeast Ohioan. Um, I chose to raise my family here. I built businesses here. My wife's built business here, her business here. We've created jobs, and we love the community. We love the people. It's a great area, great community, great people. Um, and really, in 2020, my eyes were opened with uh, all the stuff happening with COVID and the leaders not leading in the best interest of citizens and children. So as you know, I, I decided to run for school board in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and I beat an established incumbent here in North Royalton in, in one school board. And then I realized that we needed more support, so I started the grassroots uh, nonprofit OSBCC. We've got hundreds of people running in school boards across Ohio and winning school board races, and it's awesome. Um, I then, I've spent like the last 20 years of my life, professional life, Eliminating waste and saving money for companies, streamlining their businesses to increase earnings and add value. Um, and I see that, that there's a big need for that in government. I've seen it now with the school board, and then I see how school boards are kind of a microcosm of big government when you correlate it to Ohio government. And I just see there's a need for more citizens and business people to step up and run for political office. But you 
the game, you have to be an insider, and I'm not an insider. I'm an outsider, um, especially this political arena. But uh, I feel like I was called to do this, to have some fresh eyes and some different perspectives to try to solve the problems for our state um, and really empower the people um, in through reduced taxes, helping small businesses, making academic excellence a priority, true academic excellence. Um, so I've, I'm announcing that I'm running for state Senate. You and your listeners can check out uh, my story and the issues on my website, SawyerForSenate.com. That's up and running. So SawyerForSenate.com. Um, I need all the grassroots support I can help because my opponent, he is an insider. He's a career politician. Well, I was just about to ask you about that because I, I, I kind of technically was right, but I was kind of technically wrong, too, when I introduced to you, well, uh, at the beginning of the show today, when I told people you were coming on, I said he uh, he's going to be primarying Tom Patton. Uh, technically not because he's not a state senator. He is a state representative. Of course, he is like one of many that bounces back and forth between the Senate and the House because of term limits. So I'm sure he is expecting to be able to do what he has always done, and that is get elected uh, into the state Senate uh, and now that his term in the uh, his term limited on the House side. So technically, he's you know career state legislator, and you want to uh, you want to bounce him from that this time. So tell me. Why Senate? Why not House? Tell me why uh, you think uh, this is the right time to be able to move Tom Patton out of Columbus. The House has a couple of tough opponents. um, And the Senate, it was just going to be Tom, and he was just going to get in um, with his name and being a career politician. And I really like what happened with him in the voting with the Democrats in the Blue 22 to force the current Speaker of the House which caused him to be censured by every Republican group in Cuyahoga County and removed and unendorsed by the Central Committee of the Cuyahoga County Republican Party last year, this past year. Um, I felt like running for this position was a similar arena when I ran for school board, and we need that same kind of help and the same kind of citizens to stand up and defend the citizens and uh, give some of these career politicians a run for their money. Um, to make changes, like to make real changes for the people, the voters and the citizens and the children um, of our cities and state. Well, there's nothing more important, Jeremiah. Obviously, in your work and advocacy uh, for the school boards, as you talked about at the very beginning, indicates how important it is for the kids. And, and, and you know, I I did a speech the other night um, in uh, Avon uh, with the Avon, Avon Lake Republican Club, and I was talking about everything that is being thrown at our kids right now and from a you know from a an outsider's perspective which i am a true outsider meaning i'm not even running for office you are an outsider who is running to become an insider to at least to get it get inside enough to to make an effect some change but as a as just a, a citizen and a civilian and a constituent i'm looking at everything that's happening to our kids right now jeremiah at the school level but also uh at the university level also in the in their in their cultural lives meaning they're on screen lives, their phones, their tablets, their computers, and everything that is being thrown at them from indoctrination, indoctrinational points of view, whether it be things like whether, you know, being pro-Palestine and having all of these algorithms written uh, for them to reach them, to teach them to uh, uh, support, you know, the, the, oppress, uh, the oppressed classes as opposed to the oppressors and determine who those are through the critical Marxist theory that we see. Jeremiah, our kids need somebody to advocate for them at some level 
and obviously it should start at the parent level first, but it has to reach the legislative level. And I'm not suggesting that Tom Patton is solely responsible for not doing the right things or any of the right things, uh, you know, with the exception of being one of the trans Dems of, of January of 2023. But, but the reality is we need people like you, in my opinion, who are indeed geared toward changing things for this state and for this country uh at the at the youngest generation that you know that level has to be first I, f- I feel like that's where our future lies is in their hands and right now what we're putting in front of them is is very very dangerous jeremiah i i totally agree we've we've lost all focus of academics in our schools um it's like in business you call it scope creep you know when you start doing you got health care you got psychologists you got we're doing everything but getting back to teaching. My mother and mother-in-law are both retired teachers, and they taught back when you taught the basics of education and you, you made citizens, you created citizens that contributed to society, and they got into the workforce, and they had a career path, and they had um, ways where they can go add value to the communities. Um, Ohio used to be one of the top-rated public schools in the country. We used to also be one of the top ACT score schools in the country. We're, we're not at the bottom of both of those. Um, and education is, like I said earlier, it's becoming a sub-government within the state. There's all this money there, and the whole system is a huge bureaucracy of uh, regulations that don't do anything but add costs to the schools, and you add tests every day instead of letting teachers teach, um, and you're not giving enough power to parents to make a difference with decisions for their kids. There's a lot of cleaning up that needs to be done there, and get it back to education and not all these side issues um, you know you're, you're right and I, I said this before I, I love it when when ordinary citizens like you get up and walk the walk instead of just talking the talk like I do and you did it with the Ohio School Board Constitutional Coalition you're doing it now uh, and, and actually stepping up and trying to lead so uh, obviously you just gave us the website uh, which I'm happy to promote, SawyerForSenate.com, SawyerForSenate.com. And I know you need contributions because it takes money. What else What else uh, uh, are you running on besides your experience with school boards, your experience as a... Uh uh, you know, as a business leader and as a uh, as an entrepreneur and an activist, what else can you tell people to set yourself apart from anybody else that might be running for the state senate? I really want to bring a culture to change Columbus from being like a mini Washington to to empowering the citizens. You know, the whole thing is geared towards empowering citizens, reducing state government so citizens can make decisions for themselves. Um, so how do you do that? reducing taxes, eliminating wasteful spending. Um, the average tax burden on Ohioans is, is 10% when you add in the different taxes. Imagine if you can cut that in half. You can cut, and it can be done. It's done in business all the time. Cutting costs in half are not unrealistic if you take the right approach in simplifying your bureaucracies and finding your efficiencies. That could be 5% more money back to citizens. Um, Think of most households around here. If they had 5% more of their income, what a big impact that would be. Oh, my. Um, that's thousands of dollars in your pocket. Um, Buckeye Institute just did a study. They have their Piglet book, the 2023 Piglet book they just, just did, released. They identified $2.7 in savings through their analysis. I know if we rolled up our sleeves and really dug into some of the different uh, government agencies and government spending, we could find a lot of money to give back to the citizens and let them spend it in ways that help to support their families and their everyday costs and living. So that's one of the big things. 
Well, that that's huge. And I'm looking at your website now, and I'm looking at your key issues. You just mentioned taxes, and that's important. Obviously, education is huge. Oh, by the way, quick note on education. I just got a text message from a new school board member in Brooklyn, Brooklyn uh, City Schools, uh, Karam Hezruni, who's a friend and a client, by the way, who texted me and said, I joined the group he started, meaning you. They have solid, conservative-focused group of people there. He seems legit. So you've got a fan there in uh, Karam Hezruni, who's a new school board member in Brooklyn, Jeremiah. Uh, yeah, Karam's awesome. I, he was introduced to us through Rick Singer, who's the former school board member there in Brooklyn. they got a great school board and a great city there. Yeah, and it's uh, and it just got better. There's no doubt about that. But anyway, you have education, economy, and taxes, and you also have healthcare on there. You're a strong supporter of uh, medical freedom, which is uh, of course a big deal for all of us who lived through Dewine's uh, version of COVID, which I thought was an absolute disaster. Give me a little, uh, a couple of words on on your healthcare plans. Yeah, I mean, medical freedom is so critical, um, and we saw all the disastrous things that were done um, through our go- government overreach and then pushing on to business to, for businesses to overreach. And they, they, there were all kinds of excuses of why things were being done, but at the end of the day, they weren't in the best interest of the citizens and the best interest of the people to make decisions for their own health. Um, so I'm a big advocate for that. Uh, my wife's a physician. She, she owns her small business in Broadview Heights, which is a part of the District 24, and I've helped her with that business over the years to become a successful business serving the community. But I have a real good hands-on knowledge of, of healthcare and where all the costs are. A lot of the big hospital systems and the big insurance companies are really putting lots of pressure by increasing costs on both citizens and businesses. So there's a lot of waste there that could be eliminated and reduced to reduce the cost of healthcare and give more transparency to costs to patients so they can make better decisions on their healthcare and give them more options um, to really Make the, put the decisions back in, in the hands of the citizens rather than I have to choose this health care plan and I have to spend this much money every month, and what am I getting for it? Well, that's that's a great question, um, and and I'm so glad to hear that as a, a, a principal part of your campaign and your platform. You're talking to Jeremiah Sawyer. If you just heard us on, Jeremiah is running for state senate in District 24. He is going to be challenged there by longtime Ohio legislator Tom Patton. Last question is about that. Um, you know, outside of what I said about him being a part of the gang of 22, or the Blue 22, or whatever uh, that uh, handed the speaker's gavel to Jason Stevens in. Uh, uh, in January of this year, he has been a well-respected and well-liked member of the Republican Party and of and of the legislature. So it's a big task to try to to challenge a guy like Tom Patton in this uh, in this primary. What, what what will be the difference maker? Do you think what will make people who have been you know grown comfortable voting for the name Patton into voting away from him this time around? Yeah, I mean he's been around for a long time, and I know I know Tom well, and I've gotten signatures for him in the past, mm-hmm. but. He's a career politician, and I'm not, and he's lost focus on the citizens and really doing things to reduce government. Um, He was just recently ranked one of the lowest legislators for small government and reducing spending by uh, a national institution uh, as one of the, the worst voters for conservative values and conservative ideas. I'm going to be on the flip side of that. I want to reduce spending, reduce waste in Columbus, reduce waste and spending in Ohio, and really support small businesses. And and I'm not going to be an insider. I've spent 
my whole career working with small, medium-sized comp- companies. I want to bring, like, bringing manufacturing back to Ohio. Ohio's been in the past one of the best manufacturers. I've done projects with businesses where we brought machines that were made in Europe, in South America. We brought them to USA. We've saved money for the companies and the employees and the customers. You reduce lead times and you create jobs. Um, there's a lot of things we could do with businesses to bring businesses back, grow jobs. Well, Jeremiah, 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 we're going to we're going to have to cut it here. I'm out of time, but I want to remind everybody Sawyer for Senate dot com is the website Sawyer for Senate dot com. Jeremiah Sawyer running for District 24. He'll be opposed there by current Ohio House member uh, Tom Patton. Jeremiah, thank you for what you do. Thank you what you have done with the Ohio uh, uh, School Board's uh, conservative coalition as well. We appreciate it very much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jeremiah. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1029. We're kind of bumping up the clock a little bit here to accommodate the very, very busy schedule of our next guest. Congressman Max Miller's got a voting schedule this morning and other uh, important things to do on Capitol Hill. He is, of course, Ohio 7. Congressman Miller, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob, doing well. Uh, you're absolutely right. Votes are called at 1030, but you and I have about 10-ish minutes here, but I'm honored to be on. Thank you. Let's try to squeeze in six uh, issues in 10 minutes. First one, March for Israel yesterday. Over three, well, I think around, they said. So it might be just under, just over 300,000 uh, people descended on Washington, not all of them Jews, many of them Christians and others who just support Israel and is- Israel and Jews' right to exist. What did that mean to you, and what was your experience there? It meant everything in the world. You know, Bob, I just came back from Israel over the weekend, um, and I met with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I met with Defense Minister Gallions, and Israel is in a, is in a fight for its, for its existence. Make no mistake. I learned things over the weekend that the American public should absolutely, they should know, Bob, and I'm going to share one thing, and I'll wrap it up quickly on this issue. Um, but as one of two just Republican Jewish congressmen in all, in the House and in the Senate, um, you know, when this attack happened on October 7th, it wasn't just Hamas that went over there and killed Jews and Christians and Hindus and other Muslims and Arabs. They were also, and I want to be careful because everyone who participated in this attack is a terrorist, but Palestinian civilians joined in on the fight. They saw what was going on on their phones, and in bloodlust, they picked up weapons, they picked up things, and they went into Israel and started killing Jews. I had to listen to a phone call from a young man who called his parents and said, Mommy and Daddy... I'm so proud I just raped a few women and killed 10 Jews with my bare hands. That is the evil that we are dealing with. And this is an existential threat to our democracy here in the United States. Make no mistake. But that rally yesterday, it shows where the American people are in supporting our greatest ally in the Middle East, Israel. Well, that is a horrific thing to hear. Uh, I'm so glad to know you went over there to get a real first-hand perspective of what went on and to verify everything that we have been seeing through, you know, a lot of the press, maybe not the American press, but other press uh, to verify what went on. Also yesterday, you had a house-wide viewing, as I understand it, of the official attack videos uncensored from October 7th. Um, did the entire House get together and watch this? And uh, what, 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 what can you say about it? Not the entire House, no. Uh, and I'll tell you, Bob, that, that I did not attend that viewing because I saw that viewing when I was with the Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel, and okay. I watched it with him. And I can tell you that in that video that I witnessed, um, 
they, you know, they, they have ripped out a baby out of a pregnant mother's stomach. They raped women to death with objects. They beheaded babies. They put babies in ovens. They corralled them like this was the Holocaust. Make no mistake, these are savages that we are dealing with. Um, and anyone who says that these images are fake or not real, um, you really need to go look in the mirror uh, and decide who you are as an individual. Because what I can tell you and from what I saw, and I've now traveled to five war zones in my time uh, being in politics, this was the most barbaric thing that I've ever seen in my life uh, as a Marine, as a legislator. It is horrific. That barbarism issue three here um, was uh, defended uh, many times by Rashida Tlaib and others uh, by essentially saying that it didn't happen that way. And Israel essentially is responsible for, for what happened because of their uh, colonizing of the of the Palestinian land and the uh, their apartheid state government there. Um, she was voted uh, censure, I should say, was voted, as you and I discussed at length uh, in the last two weeks. So she you, the House voted to censure her. And as I understand it, she was supposed to face the, the condemnation for her remarks um, by standing in the well. And as I also understand it, that's not going to happen now. Can you tell me why? That is correct. Uh, so as we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I like regular order, which means that I like to do things here as our founding fathers did them. I don't like privilege resolutions. However, Rich McCormick and Chip Roy wanted to put forward a privilege resolution to censure uh, Rashida Tlaib. And a part of the deal that was cut is in order to get 22 Democrats to join the censure, they chose not to censure her in the well. But in history, she will be the 26th person ever in Congress to be censured as a member, which still is a very big deal. And this, I think, was a very big sign. And you know, up here, you have to negotiate. And if that's what it's going to take uh, for those guys to cut a deal, to get 22 Dems to turn on their own party, I still look at it as a win. But I, I do wish that she was shamed in the well because she more deserves that. I mean, she deserves a lot more than that, to be fair. Um, do you know if she or any of the other Hamas caucus members were part of uh, that housewide viewing of the videos yesterday? I do not. I can find out for you, but I'm just going to go ahead and say no. Um, I want to know if they have I the mean, courage to face the videos of what they themselves are enabling and essentially supporting by chanting from the river to the sea, because that's what this was. It was a huge step forward in, in driving the Jews into the sea, metaphorically, uh, but but perhaps physically as well with what happened there. And I want to know if they have the guts to face it and watch and, the videos. And, and, I, and, and I'm with you, Bob, and I'll get you those answers. And for everyone who's listening, I will get you those answers. But I just want to, you know, just tell you something in someone who is Jewish. You know, when I was so before we went to Israel, we spent half a day in London. And it was during the massive protest of, of over 100 Palestinians within the United Kingdom. I want to make something very clear who's listening, whether you're Republican, Democrat or independent, it doesn't matter. Our immigration laws in this country are broken. And what you're seeing over in Europe in Sharia law spreading the way that it is, it is coming to the West. Make no mistake. I mean, look at history. Look at all these Arab countries now, and then look at the U.K. and look at France with their immigration laws. They have been taken over by a population that is not their own. And this country, the American, this country that we live in today, the United States of America, the greatest country in the world, is still the greatest country, but... It used to be better because people would come over here from every other country and assimilate to be an American. And we're not seeing that anymore, Bob. We're seeing people coming over here with their own values that aren't American values, like Sharia law. I mean, Mayor Beth Van Dyne, who's now a legislator, 
had to strike down a Sharia law court several years ago when she was mayor of a city in Texas. We've been dealing with this. They are here. It is time to shut the border down. We are under attack, not just Jews, but the American people in our way of life. We're talking to Congressman Max Miller. We've got him just for a few minutes here this morning. He's got some important votes to get to. Issues four and five, I'll combine then. The CR passed yesterday, the House. It's being considered in the Senate now with essentially no spending cuts. Uh, it's the, the same type of, of CR that was passed by Kevin McCarthy right before he was ousted. Um, did you support this CR, and what do you make of its passage? I did not, and I think that you know everyone who kicked out Kevin McCarthy for the same thing is a big old hypocrite. And you know what? They should be ashamed of themselves. This CR that is put on the floor, in my opinion, is worse than Speaker McCarthy's 45-day clean, and I'll tell you why. It breaks it up into two months, but we're going to be back here in another month voting on this and sweating to make sure that Democrats can carry us over the finish line once again. We have to stop kicking the can down the road, and I'm just going to say it. Speaker Johnson, he's been there for 19 or 20 days. He has not had a great start. Tying IRS cuts to an Israel supplemental, which will cost our country more money than just putting the supplemental on the floor, playing games with a laddered CR, begging Democrats to help you get it over the finish line. This, we're in trouble here, Bob. You know, we need to look deep down, and Republicans need to come together. We don't want to shut the government down, but we have to close down our border, and we have to get some cuts, and he did not accomplish that. And I find this whole thing a big gimmick and incredibly hypocritical of Speaker Johnson, who voted no on the last 45-day clean CR that was on the floor. Yeah, I've got a big problem with it as well for a lot of the reasons you just pointed out, and especially those cuts. Speaking of spending, I need to ask you about the FBI headquarters vote, though. I took a number of calls and messages yesterday when I brought you up, and we were talking about this conversation about the March for Israel yesterday, and they said, ask Max Miller how in the hell he could vote to give a $300 million Taj Mahal FBI headquarters to Chris Ray and a department that has been weaponized and become the enemy of the American people. So I'm asking you, why did you vote for that? Yeah, I'd love to address it. And number one, that didn't become law. So it was an amendment in the appropriations packages that we were voting for, and it did not go through. So no one has to worry about a new FBI building for $300 million. But I will tell you why I voted for it. And here's this. Uh, I have toured the FBI headquarters before. And you know what? Do I trust the FBI? No, I don't. But you can't just get rid of a department, okay? I served in the Marine Corps. We had some really bad Marines. But it doesn't mean we should take the whole Marine Corps down. And that's the same thing with the FBI. We still have good men and women who work there. Yes, Christopher Wray is a creep. Should he be impeached and gone? Absolutely. But we need to understand that we are the party that values the blue. We back the blue. We support our law enforcement. And while we have some trouble at the FBI, you can't just kick them down the road and treat them like crap. I'm well, quick, you. quick, quick pushback, if I may, Congressman. Um, you know, Absolutely. they're not they're not they're not going to be booted out of their existing headquarters if this new one wasn't built. It's not like FBI was going to be homeless or it was going to be disbanded if we didn't vote for this new. Is this the right time to spend three hundred million taxpayer dollars on this? Like I said, they weren't going anywhere. Well, three three hundred million taxpayer dollars, Bob, just simply aren't going to be spent because the legislation didn't pass. I mean, the FBI building isn't going to be built. It hasn't been appropriated yet. It hasn't gone through the Senate. I don't think it's going to get through, to be clear. Um, a lot of these amendments... No, but, but, if, it, but if it does, yeah, and, and I'm speaking for constituents who want answers from you, so please take this respectfully. Um, uh, you, your vote, though, essentially pushes it toward that. Whether it gets there or not, you want it to based on that vote, right? 
yes, we have a huge morale problem within the government. I mean, I'm seeing it from the inside, and I hope, you know, and I understand there's a lot about there about the FBI. I'm telling you that Christopher Ray is crooked. I'm telling you we have a problem at the FBI, but we also have a problem with the entire Department of Justice. And if you're going to attack the FBI, then you need to start at the top. And the top is Merrick Garland. If people are serious about these issues, then you need to start with him and not go under the little underlings beneath him. We have a problem when it comes to recruitment. Right now within our military, Bob, we're 30% down on recruitment. We're down on recruitment for the FBI. We're down on recruitment for the agency. We're down on recruitment for everything within the federal government. Yes, I want less government. But when it puts our country at a national security risk domestically, when we have terrorists who are here who are just waiting to be activated, I'm sorry, I want the FBI uh, to continue to do their work and to make sure to thwart off things that people will never know that happen every single day. Um, and, and all I ask is that people trust that I've made the right decision to protect them and their families uh, domestically from people who are coming across the border. Last question for you, Congressman Miller. Um, Alejandro Mayorkas is a disaster. An impeachment resolution was introduced by your colleague MTG just the other day, and on Monday, in fact, and eight Republicans sided with the Democrats to table it, including Congressman Mike Turner from Ohio. We reached out to his office. They said this did not kill it. Uh, this just uh, pauses it. Um, can you tell me the reality of where that stands and what you think of those uh, eight Republicans who voted with the Democrats to keep Alejandro Mayorkas where he is? I'm disappointed, uh, but I want to say one thing. Look, Mike Turner, I'm a fan. Uh, He's a good colleague, and he's the chairman of Intel, and I can tell you that that man knows more about uh, intelligence than any one member in Congress, so I'd have to ask him directly why he voted that way. But it's disappointing. I mean, no doubt, in my opinion, that Mayorkas should be impeached, and that's why I voted uh, not to go to committee and to impeach him that day on the floor. Unfortunately, those eight Republicans took that vote. This is going to now go to committee right now. And so, yes, it could go to committee to die, uh, to be very frank and direct with you. I mean, if they don't advance it out of committee and they slow walk it, then it'll never get to the floor. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is probably right. This is where this is going to die. Um, And I'm just being very direct with the constituency because I'm seeing it here in Congress every single day. Any chance he's pulling a Max Miller? What I mean by that is he voted against something because he didn't like the language of that particular resolution of impeachment, and he's going to write a better one like you did with the uh, censure of Tlaib. You know what? It's very possible. And if that's the case, I am all on board with that. Look, I, there's no doubt that I think that this piece of legislation could have been written better. As many uh, legislations uh, that are up here that if you were to see, I think everyone, including yourself, would agree with me. So it is possible that maybe he's working something. And, you know, I'll ask him and see what he says. But um, but he's a good man. And I don't know why they took the vote. But I can tell you, uh, I am disappointed that, that we didn't get to vote to impeach Mayorkas yesterday. Well, Congressman Max Miller, they're taking votes down the hall. I think you better get in there. Thank you for the time. I, I appreciate minutes, it. Bob. Oh, you got two minutes Thank left. You. Oh, oh, okay, okay. No, 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 well, I got oh, I got gotcha. you. Know, you got to, to make, make it, it down the, the hall, right? So you better ha- you better get moving, Congressman Miller. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Of course. Right. Bye. There you go. All right, there's uh, Max Miller. We had to uh, adjust our clock a little bit for him. We didn't do our bottom of the hour break traditionally, anyway, uh, so that we could squeeze that in. We're going to respond to some of that, and I'm going to ask you to respond to some of that on the other side of this break. Um, What did you make of his answer, particularly with respect to the FBI headquarters vote? Okay, 1049. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. So we just had a good conversation with Congressman Max Miller about some very important things, including the uh, March 
uh, for Israel yesterday. He was in Israel, as you heard him say, over the weekend, and uh, actually met with uh, Prime Minister uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. And some of the information he gleaned there and some of the videos that he watched with the Prime Minister of the atrocities of October 7th, um, simply staggering. So I was really glad to get his perspective on that, and he's right. Uh, I think he's right when he says this is an existential threat, not only for Israel, but, but largely for the United States. The only functioning democracy in the Middle East, an ally of the United States, they provide us with intel and information that they get from Mossad, their CIA, if you will, um, on, on what so many of America's enemies in the region are doing. It's, it's crucial for us to continue our relationship with, and that means supporting the survival of Israel. So I was really glad to get Congressman Miller on uh, the record for all of that. I also spoke to him about the CR uh, that was passed yesterday, which uh, was done with very, very few spending cuts. It's, it's very frustrating every time we think we have a better speaker. And by the way, I want to go back to what I said when they decided to boot Kevin McCarthy, that I wonder if the juice is going to be worth this squeeze that we were going through. And everybody said, oh, we ended up with Mike Johnson. Not Jim Jordan, but Mike Johnson's pretty good. Okay, well, let's see how this goes. Well, he had to reach out and get a ton of Democrats to support his continuing resolution to avoid a government shutdown. And um, it, it contained nothing that conservatives like, including uh, cutting to the massive, massive uh, spending you know, to which we are addicted. Cuts to that have to happen in any spending agreement. And it, and it wasn't. So I wonder, was it worth it? You know, I mean, you heard Max Miller, and I agree with Max Miller. He voted against this. Only 95 did. 336 to 95. It passed with overwhelming bipartisan support. Only 95 voted against it. He was one of them, and he was right, because it did not include spending cuts. And it did not attach supplemental funds for national security matters that GOP leadership you know, uh, had, had been pushing for. So I'm, I've got a big problem with that. Then I asked him about the FBI headquarters vote. Yesterday, we talked about this in some depth. There's a $300 million proposal to build a new FBI headquarters, which would be, I mean, I think a couple of people described it as the Taj Mahal uh, of government federal buildings. And whether or not the FBI, which continues to not necessarily look out for the best interests of the American people, but being used as a weaponized committee for the Biden administration or a weaponized organization uh, to, you know, to um, terrorize and intimidate, quite frankly, uh, American citizens who are not falling in line. Should we reward them that? And Max Miller voted to give them those funds. So people asked me yesterday, you have to find out why Miller voted that way. And so that's what this was all about. Seth, do we have that ready to go? Ask Max Miller how in the hell he could vote to give a $300 million Taj Mahal FBI headquarters to Chris Ray and a department that has been weaponized and become the enemy of the American people. So I'm asking yeah, you, why to, did you vote for that? Yeah, I'd love to address it. And number one, that didn't become law. So it was an amendment in the appropriations packages that we were voting for, and it did not go through. So no one has to worry about a new FBI building for $300 million. But I will tell you why I voted for it. And here's this. Uh, I have toured the FBI headquarters before. And you know what? Do I trust the FBI? No, I don't. But you can't just get rid of a department, okay? I served in the Marine Corps. We had some really bad Marines. But it doesn't mean we should take the whole Marine Corps down. 
And that's the same thing with the FBI. We still have good men and women who work there. Yes, Christopher Ray is a creep. Should he be impeached and gone? Absolutely. But we need to understand that we are the party that values the blue. We back the blue. We support our law enforcement. And while we have some trouble at the FBI, you can't just kick them down the road and treat them like crap. I'm well, quick, you. quick, quick pushback, if I may, Congressman. Um, you know, Absolutely. they're not they're not they're not going to be booted out of their existing headquarters if this new one wasn't built. It's not like FBI was going to be homeless or it was going to be disbanded if we didn't vote for this new. Is this the right time to spend three hundred million taxpayer dollars on this? Like I said, they weren't going anywhere. Well, three three hundred million taxpayer dollars, Bob, just simply aren't going to be spent because the legislation didn't pass. I mean, the FBI building isn't going to be built. It hasn't been appropriated yet. It hasn't gone through the Senate. I don't think it's going to get through, to be clear. Um, a lot of these amendments... No, but, but, if, it, but on, if it does, yeah, and, and I'm speaking for constituents who want answers from you, so please take this respectfully. Um, uh, you, your vote, though, essentially pushes it toward that. Whether it gets there or not, you want it to based on that vote, right? Yes, we have a huge morale problem within the government. I mean, I'm seeing it from the inside, and I hope, you know, and I understand there's a lot about there about the FBI. I'm telling you that Christopher Ray is crooked. I'm telling you we have a problem at the FBI, but we also have a problem with the entire Department of Justice. And if you're going to attack the FBI, then you need to start at the top. And the top is Merrick Garland. If people are serious about these issues, then you need to start with him and not go under the little underlings beneath him. We have a problem when it comes to recruitment. Right now within our military, Bob, We're 30% down on recruitment. We're down on recruitment for the FBI. We're down on recruitment for the agency. We're down on recruitment for everything within the federal government. Yes, I want less government. But when it puts our country at a national security risk domestically, when we have terrorists who are here who are just waiting to be activated, I'm sorry. I want the FBI uh, to continue to do their work and to make sure to thwart off things that people will never know that happen every single day. Um, And and all I ask is that people trust that I've made the right decision to protect them and their families uh, domestically from people who are coming across the border. Yeah, well, um, that was the answer. And uh, and I'm going to respectfully disagree again, as I did during the comments uh, or during his his response. Um, I think it's a wrong call. I think it's a bad decision. I think it's a bad thing to support. And I think not that he's wrong about going after Merrick Garland, not that he's wrong about fixing the FBI at the highest levels of leadership rather than at the rank and file level. He's right about that. You have to do that. But you don't need to give the rank and file a $300 million building for their morale. I don't think it changes anything. The rank and file agents who answer to Christopher Wray and then the deputy directors and so on and so forth throughout the chain of command in the FBI they're still going to be ordered to do what they're ordered to do, whether it's in a brand new building or the existing building. Nothing is going to change. The FBI wasn't going to be disbanded, which is what I said to the congressman. If this didn't pass, it's not like the FBI ceases to exist or they become homeless and they're working out of their their kitchens in their homes. They still have their existing FBI headquarters and they still have the same uh, number of uh, rank and file agents and they still have the same leadership. I agree with you. Go after the leadership. But you don't have to put them in a brand new building while this goes on. I don't. I fail to see how that s- strengthens or secures America or American citizens or gives them new morale that's going to change the way they operate. It's not. 
If I had more time, if we had a full 20-minute or, or longer interview with Cong- uh, Congressman Miller, we would have gotten much more into that. But like I said, we were told at the very beginning he had 10 minutes hard before he had to go and, and, and uh, be present for votes. So maybe the next time we talk, we'll get into more depth of that. But for right now, I disagree with the congressman. I told him so, and I'll tell him so again. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France. On AM 1420, The Answer. Alrighty then. Hour number three is underway. It's nine minutes past 11 o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks also to my guest today, Jeremiah Sawyer, who is uh, running for Ohio State Senate District 24, where he will be challenged by current state, uh, House, uh, state representative, House member uh, Tom Patton who is term-limited out there, and, uh, of course, a very, very popular figure in uh, Strongsville and in that, uh, in the, and in that district. So uh, Jeremiah Sawyer's got a challenge for him, so I appreciate him coming on and sharing that. Then we also spoke with Congressman Max Miller, which I know a lot of people want to talk about now. Uh, Max Miller is, uh, is, is in a really, really interesting place right now. Again, as he pointed out, one of only two Jewish Republicans in the uh, Congress, in the House of Representatives. Uh, he was in Israel speaking with, I know he said Prime Minister Netanyahu, and also uh, I think he started to say another defense leader. I didn't quite catch the name. Uh, over the weekend, he was in Israel. Then yesterday, he was um, uh, watching the uh, house-wide showing or viewing of the 40-plus-minute um, official video uh compilation of the uh, horrific atrocities and the attacks of October 7th that was prior to going out for the march for Israel on uh, the National Mall yesterday so and that was fantastic by the way 300,000 or so um, citizens and patriots and supporters of Israel and 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 Jews rights to exist uh, descended on that mall that was phenomenal so we talked about all of that then we talked about spending and the spending issue is of course a huge one we are two. We are operating right now on about a two trillion dollar um, budget deficit. Our operating budget government deficit is around two two trillion dollars. Did I say billion? If I said billion, I apologize. Two trillion dollars. So two trillion dollar operating budget deficit added upon a thirty three trillion dollar national debt. We have to be spending every nickel that we have wisely. Um. That means, in my opinion, not sending it to a lot of places where we're currently sending it, to pet projects, to foreign countries like Ukraine, 
We've already done our part. $120 billion have been sent there. They need to get more production from their own country and also from uh, European nations that are, that are more directly impacted by uh, Russia's incursion or invasion. Um, and, and domestically on, on, on the things that we have to fund here at home. We fund the FBI and we do so um, exceptionally well. In other words, they've never come complaining and saying the FBI is shrinking and not getting its job done because it's underfunded. We fund it thoroughly. We do not, in my estimation, need to be building it a new $300 million headquarters. And uh, there, there were only a few Republicans who voted to do that, to give the, the FBI, given its current status as a weaponized arm of the Biden administration targeting political opponents, targeting January Sixers, targeting school board uh, uh, um, activists, targeting, you know, American conservatives who have been, quite frankly, under almost Big Brother-like type of, of watch by the federal government. The FBI has been turned against its people. I don't think this is the time to be building them a new building. Now, my question to congressman miller about that was direct and he answered it by saying look there are some bad things going on in the fbi but that doesn't mean you you know you abolish the entire thing he said i was in the marine corps there are some bad marines but we wouldn't call for an end of the marine corps well my response back to him was we're not calling for a disbanding of the fbi we're not saying we don't back the blue and yes fbi agents are law enforcement just like our local cops but a federal at the federal level nobody's saying any of those things but they're not going to be homeless. They're not going to be working out of their own kitchens. It's not going to be uh, you know working from home today on the FBI for the FBI. They have a building, and there's no need to be spending, in my estimation, a quarter of a billion dollars uh, on a new one. I just disagreed with the point. That's it. Now, maybe when we have a longer conversation, he can uh, explain himself further. But from what I understand right now, and he also, he also switched it to say that, well, Uh, You know, there's no guarantee this is going to get through anyway. The money hasn't been spent yet. This has got a long way to go. And my response to him was, yeah, but you want it to, which is the point of our conversation. You want it to go through. Otherwise, you wouldn't have voted for the appropriation of those funds. So um, your reactions, of course, are welcome at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll go to Mark first. He's on line two in North Olmstead. Mark, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Oh, hi, Bob. Um, well, I felt that the congressman made a lot of false equivalencies, uh, the morale in the FBI to the lack of recruiting in the uh, military. Um, you know, he can call Christopher Ray a creep all he wants, but if he's not willing to exercise oversight, then he's not doing his job as a congressman. You know, he's forgetting that... Uh, a lot of the threats we face in this country, you know, terrorism to immigration, illegal immigration, uh, those possibilities are a direct result of this FBI protecting the administration that's in there now. So if we are lucky enough to get a new administration in the next election uh, and a new FBI, well, then maybe we build a new headquarters. Um, 
you know. I agree. I agree. After after we get to a place where we feel like we can trust the FBI to be what it needs to be to protect and uh, you know its citizens to serve and protect again as federal law enforcement officers, until we can trust that they're being uh, guided the right way, they're being directed by the right leadership and so forth. I agree. Uh, you know, you you operate with what you got. And again, unless they're going to tell us that there's asbestos problems and crumbling, you know, uh, bricks and uh, and and it's just a death trap to be in the current FBI building, which I do not believe to be the case. There's no need to push forward on this right now. Yeah, right. And, th- and those problems we can address. Uh, those can be repaired. Right. Um, I, I also, some of the comments he had about Mike Turner, who, who has shown through his votes in time and things he said, uh, I, I just hope he's not a go-along to get-along guy. Uh, you know, I, I de- definitely disagree with the congressman on this well and to, I agree to, with to some that. extent on this one though i will say you have to be to an extent go along get along um republicans typically you know it's funny we talk about this all the time about how democrats are always united with one another they always have unanimous votes because they they check their own egos and their own things in the interest of the greater good as they see it now you and i probably see it as the greater bad uh when it's the democrats but we we then complain when Republicans turn on one another. We can't even get uh, you know the very slim majority we have to come together on things like you know uh, impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas. Um, so when one Republican turns on others, we highlight it and we talk about how bad. So here was his statement that he disagrees with Mike Turner, but he's going to give him some praise at the same time. He does have to work with these guys, and there will be a time when Max Miller sponsors a piece of legislation that he's going to need Mike Turner's vote on. And Mike Turner's going to sponsor something where he's going to need Max Miller's vote on. So even if they disagree on something, they can't be disagreeable and and uh, and kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're going to have to work together. And so I, I can understand why he, he had some words of, of praise for Mike Turner, big picture, but disagrees with him and was disappointed with his vote on this one. Right, and... and- you know, the way he said we don't have to worry about it as constituents, that uh, the Senate isn't going to approve it anyway uh, as far as this funding, extra funding for this um, uh, headquarters. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just makes you wonder where his head was. So, But thank you for uh, uh, holding his feet to the fire. Yeah, well, that's yeah, and I appreciate that. Thank you. That's what I tried to do again, respectfully. The one thing that I've learned, and, and uh, appreciate the call. The one thing I've learned through years and years and years of interviewing public officials like this is, um, you know, you have to be able to ask questions that do hold their feet to the fire without making them ever afraid to ever come back on again. I don't get that sense at all from Max Miller. He has been on many, many times, and uh, he has always answered every hard question I've had. Sometimes I've agreed with his answers. Sometimes I have not. I don't think he would ever not come back on. But, yes, I'm going to hold feet to the fire, hopefully while still getting them back on. Um, you know, I paid the price by holding Mike DeWine's feet to the fire during COVID, and he hasn't come back on since. You know, and I think that's a mark of cowardice, quite frankly. Agreeable people can agree to disagree. Right. I mean, people of goodwill can say we disagree on this one, but we certainly still have mutual respect. Uh, And I think that's what he was doing with Mike Turner. And, um, you know, and in this particular case, I disagree with Congressman Miller on uh, on the issue of the funding of the FBI building. I just do. And uh, and I think I'll come back on. But uh, what you just said too, last part of what the caller just said is very accurate in my view. Um, hoping that the Senate doesn't pass something that you voted to pass from your side as a way of kind of, you know, backtracking for your vote, I think is a bad look. I don't think it's the right thing. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, uh, it's an effective answer. 
saying that, yeah, I voted for it, but they won't pass it over there anyway, so don't worry. It doesn't excuse your vote for it, in my view. Um, let's do uh, Phil next. Phil, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Oh, this is Phil from Philadelphia. I've taken this call <laughs> yeah. on the Sebastian Gorka show. Hey, uh, Phil, how are you? Bob, you have a big footprint that reaches over here to Philly. you got a fan base over here, my friend. Love that. Love that. Uh, Thank just, you. Just your thoughts. Um, 1863, Abraham Lincoln issued the um, Emancipation Proclamation, gave instant citizenship to men, women, and children of African descent across the board, citizens of the United States. What about the Emancipation New Proclamation offering 14,000 illegals coming across our border every day and saying, hey, listen, if you become a citizen soldier in Ukraine and help them with their cause, instant citizenship for you and your family. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, body's not bullet. So Zelensky, if that was presented to Zelensky and he objected to that, we know this is all a sham, what they're doing over there. Well, I, I, I don't know why why we would have to get involved in that, um, to be well, honest with you. Because we're sending them a billion dollars a week. We're, I mean, come on. Well, well, well you're we, right. You're right. We are. And we've sent them $120 billion so far. And to me, I think we've sent them our last nickel. At least that's how, that's right. how it should be. I don't want to promise citizenship. Here's what I would say. I, would, I, would, I, I might consider your idea, and particularly going back to you know, the Emancipation Proclamation, I would consider the idea if they just wanted to serve the United States, not necessarily be dispatched, because that will bring us into a war with Russia. If we give citizenship to foreign nationals, make them citizens conditioned upon them going to fight for Ukraine, we now are essentially taking the fight uh, to to Russia. That puts us in the middle of World War III. That's the reason we can't do that. Your idea, Phil, in my opinion, is a good one about, hey, if, uh, you know, if, if, especially if recruiting goals continue to, to, to be unmet and they continue to lag because so many people don't want to be a part of our woke military right now, if we right. get ourselves into a situation where we may need to be at war and we don't have enough citizens or enough uh, fighters, and then we start talking about taking foreign nationals, and if you uh, if you sign up and agree and go fight for the United States of America, you can have citizenship. That's a conversation we can have. But to send okay. them to Ukraine is for us to basically say, "Hey, Vladimir, here we come. We're 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 ready to go to war with you. We can't be doing that." Thanks for enlightening me on that. I did not even think of that approach, Bob. Thank you very much. We love you in Philly, buddy. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate that. That's a great great call. I love that. I uh, I really I, I tell uh, the folks. When I host for Dennis Prager or for Sebastian Gorko, both of which I've been doing a ton of lately, I tell all the folks around the country how to find me and where to find me and where to find this program here, but I normally don't get calls from them. (laughs) They're just listening through the app or through whkradio.com. So that was kind of cool to get one of our our good uh, conservative friends in Philly to come out here. Uh, Let's go to... um, Joanne in Twinsburg. Joanne talked to me yesterday about Max Miller. Now you've heard the answer, Joanne. What do you say? I'm beyond, it's beyond comprehension to me. My thing is, is I believe it was Newsmax yesterday had a story that it took like some exorbitant amount, I want to say 60 FBI guys to take down another January 6er. We got people crossing our border like nothing. And we're worried about the people from January 6th. I, I mean, I'm sorry, Chris Ray is a fraud. As far as I'm concerned, the guy needs a cubicle and a secretary. That's all he needs because he doesn't do anything for us. I'm tired of this. I mean, 
I just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I live in Amelia Sykes land. Don't get, you know, (laughs) she doesn't care anything about what I think. She only cares about what the people who voted for her think. So, I mean, I'm I'm not one to stand here and completely criticize someone else's congressman. But I'm sorry, Bob. It just, he seems like such a fraud anymore. Wait, 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 wait. Hold hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Joanne. Who are you talking about right now? Now, that's Max Miller. I mean, to me. Okay, because you, know, you said you said Christopher Ray. Ne- yeah, you said Christopher <laughs> Ray needs a cubicle in the secretary. Did you mean yeah, to say? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what, what? They need a new headquarters when they're not doing a darn thing to help the people of this country. Okay, so you are going back yeah. and forth between Ray and Max. You're criticizing yeah. both of them. I, I lost. But, you know I lost I mean, your train Max of thought. Miller, there. to me, mm-hmm. is you know, don't worry about it because it's not going to go through. That's that's not an answer. I'm sorry. That's just not an answer to me. Yeah, no, I, don't be sorry. That's kind of the reason we brought it up, and that's the reason I asked know, him those I'm questions, curious. because I, I know Norm constituents want to know that. I, you know, Norm was like one of the most vocal people about this yesterday. I wish he would call and tell us what he thinks of what Max Miller said. So, Norm, if you're out there, please make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it's pile-on time. All right, Joanne, yeah. I appreciate the call. And, by the way, I agree with what you said about Chris Ray, and I agree with what you said about what they need. They do not need a new building, and they certainly don't need to have one that's uh, so exorbitant and extravagant and lavish that that uh, uh, you know that it, that it's going to cost $300 million taxpayer dollars. Um, I will say this, too, and I know this is going to tick some people off because people want to get fully behind President Trump. To be the nominee and to uh, and to uh, uh, get another four years and to displace Biden and I want that too. Um, we have to displace Biden, but I will again point out to you one of the greatest flaws that I think that was exposed during President Trump's time was his evaluation of personnel. He was and is awful at it. He got rid of James Comey, who needed to get got. And handpicked Chris Ray. He had his pick of anybody in the intelligence agencies all across the United States government or outside of the existing intelligence agents. He could have picked so many different people. He chose Christopher Ray. And look what Christopher Ray is. So while we rightly and correctly condemn, you know, the vote to build Chris Ray's troops a new $300 million Taj Mahal FBI headquarters while they're chasing down January Sixers and and staking out school board meetings and finding ways to harass conservatives all across this country, while we condemn that vote and those who did it, which we just did with Congressman Miller, understand how and why the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the FBI, the Bureau, is right now. President Trump chose him. We got to recognize that the choices that were made for massively important cabinet level positions, people who got fired within a year or two, those who quit, those who uh, uh, would not, you know, just just were just terrible at their positions were were decisions made by President Trump. And that's one of the reasons why. And I know, again, I know this ticks people off, but I want to hear him on a debate stage. I want to know how you're going to be any better at picking people for attorney general for fbi director for uh pentagon director you know secretary of defense how are you going to be secretary of state how are you going to get better at it than you were before because you did a terrible 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 job at leading or picking the leaders in these various departments for us i want to hear those things chris ray does need to go 
But if he goes, I want to have faith in the person that is picked to replace him. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. You know, as long as we're talking about um, votes that we don't like, how about the other part of what I, my conversation with Max Miller was? Um, yesterday, the House voted overwhelmingly in a bipartisan pa- fashion with dozens and dozens and dozens of Republicans joining the Democrats to pass a continuing resolution to kick the uh, funding can down the road into next year again. Um without any of the spending cuts that typically accompany such a continuing resolution. Uh, That's a huge problem. Max Miller voted against that, while, again, uh, countless numbers of Republicans joined with the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who uh, essentially did the same thing Kevin McCarthy did, maybe even a little bit worse. Kevin McCarthy got booted after the last CR that he approved and got passed. Now Mike Johnson, his first act as Speaker, does the same exact thing, and he's still uh, enjoying the support of uh, a lot of those who uh, who put him there, including Matt Gates. By the way, Mike Johnson is also ardently in support of more Ukraine funding, $120 billion of U.S. taxpayer dollars to Ukraine, not enough. He is ready to send more as a part of a package uh, to help get some funding for uh, for the, uh, not some funding, but uh, for some new new policies on the southern border. I do support those, of course, but uh, more funding for <laughs> Again, a, a nation that is operating on a $2 trillion budget deficit, we cannot continue to send more money to that endless. Um, and when I say endless, I mean not that it's not going to have an end, but it is completely indeterminate. What does victory look like? They keep saying as much as it takes for as long as it takes. Well, how much is, is as much? It does, is, it, is it $10 trillion? And what does that mean? As long as it takes, dot, 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 finish the the statement. As long as it takes to do what? So there are problems in, in the Republican Party in the Congress. There's no question. Sally is calling us from Berea. Sally, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I'm also disappointed about the CR. Again, all this spending. Our country has just had their credit rating descended to negative territory so cutting spending no new buildings forget it with the fbi they plus they haven't done their house cleaning at the top yet and also briefly thanks for alerting us to the uh addition to the macy's thanksgiving day parade uh we won't be watching it enough said well i'm glad to hear that i won't be watching it either i i kind of have fallen off of it over the last few years I don't know, organically, I guess. You know, we do a thing on Thanksgiving Day. Our family, since my children were babies, um, we that's when we do the tree. We tree, we wake up, we have ourselves a nice uh, fattening breakfast of cinnamon rolls or something, you know, just to commemorate the holiday, to kind of get it off to a good start. And then we all we start putting up the decorations. We do the whole house, and we have the parade on, or we'll have Christmas music on or whatever. It's just, a, you know, probably very similar to what a lot of other people do. Um, but I will tell you this. I'll be and my wife loves the parade. I will be damned if I allow that to be on my screen on Thanksgiving Day. I will not. For those who don't know, if you did not hear the story, um, Macy's has uh, made an announcement. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade is going to feature a quote non-binary and transgender extravaganza. 
So they're going to push sex and sexuality and sexual orientation and sexual identities in front of 20 million people and families and kids watching TV to see big inflatable superheroes and, and, and turkeys. They're going to jam sex and sexuality and sexual orientation into the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Not in my house, they're not. And I hope Macy's goes the way of Target and Bud Light and suffers a massive crash because of this, because that is exactly what they deserve. Sorry, but not sorry. Charlie is in uh, Brownell. Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, it's the Thanksgiving Gay Parade. There it is. Might as well be now. Although that uh, that doesn't even yeah that doesn't even uh, cover it though because it's not just about that. It's about the entire alphabet soup that they have. Yeah, yeah. I read the Imprimus. I don't know if you read this this month's one. It talks about how transgenderism is has been planned for like forty years. It's it's like a, a way of taking over. But anyways, you know, you said yesterday Bob Latta is your congressman. I guess he's mine too. I moved from Westlake out here to Vermilion, and. I've never heard him on the show. I've never heard him call in. I've never, you know, is he involved? You know, what is he like? What you know? We why had him on. Him? We had him on several months ago. Uh, I don't have the time or the month even it, it, it fresh in my memory, but uh, it was a great conversation. No, I think he's doing a good job, and he has been on, to my knowledge, and I, and I check a lot of them, but not all of them. He's been on the right side of every vote that Congress has taken. Now, I don't know about proposed well, that, legislation of his own, but he has been, yeah. But, no, Bob Latta has been has been solid. He's not, you know, uh, a media uh, darling like Jim Jordan is. He's not a guy who's going to be out there in front of a lot of cameras. Um, we need those guys, by the way. And Jim Jordan is a great spokesman for the conservative cause in Congress. But Bob Latta is much more reserved, understated, but um, cast the right votes, like I said. To me, I think he's doing a fine job. If there's any that he was on the wrong side of, I haven't seen it yet. And, like I said, I check a lot of votes, not all of them. Like I said, that's good to hear. I, I haven't heard anything about him. And the last thing, you know, this Middle East problem—it's—it's it's forever. It's a forever problem. I, you know, I'm—I'm. I'm I don't know what the, the Jews should have done or the Israelis should have done, but they're creating another—you know—going to be another twenty years from now, another thousand terrorists. And uh, you know, I just don't know the so- solution. I guess the Bible says Armageddon, and that's probably what we're looking at. So because well. it's uh, not getting better. Yeah, well, you know, we are talking about, and I said, and thank you for the call, Charlie, as always. We we are talking about something that is existential. And and for those who don't understand that word, think of the root word. What is the root word of existential? The, 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 the true root word is exist, uh, but then go to existence and then to existential. We're talking about the existence of a nation. Existence of a state, ignition, uh, the uh, the uh, existence of uh, um, an ethnicity, if not a race of people, talking about Israeli Jews. And and Max Miller brought this up to me too. You know, if we do not do what needs to be done to support Israel's right to defend itself and stop these ridiculous ceasefire calls, it is going to be a threat to the United States and our existence or our way of life. Listen. I, I don't want to go through the whole routine again, but Palestine, the Palestinian attempt to wipe Israel off the map, driven by Iran's um, stated mission to, to erase and eliminate Israel from the map, is a part of a larger picture of a complete and utter worldwide global caliphate in which Sharia law will be imposed upon all nations and all people 
and we will be a one-world theocracy, a Muslim theocracy. You think that's like, oh, come on. No, no you got to study it. Learn a little bit about the Muslim Brotherhood. Learn a little bit about the, the global caliphate that is being... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.